Chapter Nine of Christmas: A Story. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Christmas: A Story by Zona Gale. Chapter Nine. Christmas week came. Cities by thousands made preparation. Great shops took on vast cargoes of silk and precious things, and seemed ready to sail about distributing gifts to the town, and thought better of it and let folk come in numbers to them to pay toll for what they took. Banks opened their doors and poured out, now a little trickling stream of pay envelopes, now a torrent of green and gold. Flower stalls drew tribute from a million pots of earth where miracles had been done. Pastry counters, those mock commissariats, delicately masking as servants to necessity, made ready their pretty pretenses to nutrition. The woods came moving in, acres of living green taken in their sleep, their roots left faithful to a tryst with the sap. Their tops summoned to bear an hybrid fruitage. From cathedrals rose the voices of children, now singing little carols and hymns in praise of the Christ child, now speaking little verses in praise of the saint, Nicholas, now clamoring for little new possessions. And afar from the fields that lay empty about the clustered roofs of towns came a chorus of voices of the live things. Beast and fowl, being offered up in the gorgeous pagan rites of the day. Hither and yonder, in every city, the grown townsfolk ran. The most had lists of names: Grace, Laura, Alice, Miriam, John, Philip, father, mother, beautiful names and of rich portent. So that, remembering the time, one would have said that these were entered there with some import of special comradeship, of being face to face, of having realized in little what will some day be true in large. But on looking closer, the lists were found to have quite other connotations, as Grace, bracelet, Margaret, spangled scarf, Laura, chafing dish, Philip, smoking set. Father, Memo, ask mother what she thinks he'd like. And every name, it seemed, stood for some bestowal of new property, mostly of luxuries and chiefly of luxuries of decoration. And the minds of the buying adults were like lakes played upon by clouds and stormbirds and lightning, and to be sure, many stars, but all in unutterable confusion. Also from the cargo-laden shops there came other voices in thousands, but these were mostly answers. And when one, understanding Christmas, listened to hear what part in it these behind the counter played, he heard from them no voice of sharing in the theory of peace or even of truce, but instead, to a yard and double width, jewelry is in the annex. Did you want three pairs of each? Veils and neckwear three aisles over, leather, glassware, baskets, ribbons down the store beyond the notions. Toys and dolls are in the basement. Toys and dolls are in the basement. Jewelry is in the annex. 
so that a great part of the town seemed some strong chorus of invocation to new possessions. But there were other voices. Whole areas of every town lay perforce within the days of Christmas week. It must have been so, for there is only one calendar to embrace humanity, as there is only one way of birth and breath and death, one source of tears, one functioning for laughter. But to these reaches of the town the calendar was like another thing, for though it was upon them in name, its very presence was withdrawn. In those ill-smelling stairways and lofts there was little to divulge the imminence of anything other than themselves. And wherever some echo of Christmas week had crept, the wistfulness or the lust was for possession also, but here one could understand its insistence. So here the voices said only, I wish, I wish, and I choose this and this at windows, or if I had back my nickel, don't you go expecting nothing. And over these went the whir of machinery, beat of treadles, throb of engines, or the silence of forced idleness, or of the disease of dereliction. It was a time of many pagan observances, as when some were decked in precious stuffs, and some were thrown to lions. To all these in the towns Christmas week came, and of them all not many stood silent and looked Christmas week in the face. Yet it is a human experience that none is meant to die without sharing, for the season is the symbol of what happens to folk if they claim it. Christmas is the time of withdrawal of most material life. It is the time when nature subtracts the externals, hides from man the phenomena of even her evident processes. Left alone, his thought turns inward and outward, which is to say it lays hold upon the flowing force so slightly externalized in himself. If he finds in his own being a thousand obstructions, a thousand persons, dogs, sorcerers, whoremongers, he will try to escape from them all, back to the externals. But if he finds there a channel which the substance of being is using, he will be no stranger but a familiar with himself. Only when the channel has been long cleared, when there has left it all consciousness of striving, of self in any form, only when he finds himself empty, ready, immaculate, will he have the divine adventure. For it is then that in him the Spirit of God will have its birth, then that he will first understand his own nature, the nature of being. Then the turn of the year comes in, the year begins to mount. Birth is in it, growth is in it, spring is in it. Sometime away back in beginnings they knew this, they knew that the time of the winter solstice is in some strange fashion the high moment of the year as the beginning of new activity in nature and in the gods they solemnized the return of the fiery sun-wheel they traced in those solstice days the operations on earth of odin and of berchta they knew in themselves a the thing they could not name 
and when the supreme experience took place in Christ, they made the one experience typify the other, and became conscious of the divine nature of this nativity. So by the Illuminati, the prophets, the adepts, the time that followed was yearly set aside, forty days of dwelling within the temple of self, forty days of reverence for being, of consciousness of new birth. Then the emergence, then the apotheosis of expression typifying and typified by spring, the time when bursting, pressing life almost breaks bounds, when birth and the impulse to birth are in every form of life, without and within. These festivals are not arbitrary in date. They grow out of the universal experience. Is it not then cause for stupefaction that this time of divine bestowal should have become so physical a thing? From the ancient perception, to have slipped into a sense of annual social comradeship and goodwill and peace was natural and fine. To live in the little what will some day be true in the large. But from this to have plunged down into a time of frantic physical bestowals, of present trading, of lists of Grace and Margaret and Philip, of teeming shops with hunting and hunted creatures within, of sacrificial trees and beasts, of a sovereign sense of good for me and mine, and a shameless show of Lord and Lady Bountiful. How can that have come about? How can the great festival have been so dishonoured? Not all dishonoured, for within it is its own vitality which nothing can dishonour. Through all the curious variations which it receives at our hands, something shines and sings, self-giving, joy-giving, a vast, dim, up-flickering on humanity of what this thing really is that it seeks to observe this thing that grips men so that no matter what they are about they will drop it at the touch of the gong and turn to some expression however crooked and thwarted of the real spirit of the time if in war then bayonets are stacked and holly wreathed and candles stuck on each point if at sea some sailor climbs out on the bowsprit with a wreath of green if on the western plains a turkey wishbone for target will make the sport at fifty paces if at home some great extravagance or some humble gift or some poignant wish will point the day if at church then mass and carol in certain hearts reverence everywhere the time takes hold of folk and receives whatever of greatness or grotesqueness they choose to give it so too the actual and vital experience which it brings to humanity is universal is offered with cosmic regularity cannot be escaped through all the tumult of the time christmas week and the time that lies near to it is always waiting to claim its own to take to itself those who will not be deceived who see in the stupendous yearly pageant only the usual spectacle of humanity trying to say divine things in terms of things physical, because the time for the universal expression is not yet come. When that time comes, when the time of the worship of things shall be past, 
when the tribal sense of holiday shall have given place to the family sense, and that family shall be mankind, when shall never be seen the anomaly of celebrating in a glorification of little family tables, whose crumbs fall to those without, the birth of him who preached brotherhood, and the mockery of observing with wanton spending the birth of him who had not where to lay his head, when the rudiments of divine perception, of self-perception, of social perception, shall have grown to their next estate, when the area of consciousness shall be extended yet farther toward the outermost, when that new knowledge with which the air is charged shall let man begin to know what he is, when that time comes, they will look back with utmost wonder at our uncouth gropings to note and honor something whose import we so obscurely discern, but perhaps too with wonder that so much of human love and divining should shine for us through the mists we make. End of chapter 9